Welcome everyone, this is Coaching in Session. My name is Michael Reardon and I will be your mindset coach today. And today we're gonna be talking about the continuation of unconscious and parenting. If you're familiar with the episode that I just aired, the three levels of consciousness, that episode is going to be talking about the three levels of consciousness, which are going to be conscious, subconscious, and unconscious ways of thinking. In that episode, I believe it was last week, we were talking about examples of unconscious. And I was using parenting as the main example because our unconscious thoughts are going to be occurring when we're younger. So our fears, our instincts, all that's going to be developed when we're younger. Just because we develop them when we're younger, it doesn't mean that we can't change them when we're older. But there's an issue. We don't understand that it's important to get it right the first time. Remember, it's easier to build and raise strong children than it is to fix broken adults. And I can't tell you how many broken adults I have. Our system, our economy, the whole structure of our nation is built on having adults come out that are going to need a mindset coach, that are going to need a life coach. So that means the child that you're raising now in the future is going to need to come see one of my coaches because we are not giving them what they need. Parents are not understanding what their child needs. So they're building and developing an unconscious that is not helpful to their development. So today we're going to be talking about how to build a strong unconscious mindset for the child that you're raising, for the children that you're raising, and how to be more effective in your job so that they can be effective in their life. So if you're new to the channel, make sure to like, comment, subscribe, share the video and your audio. As parents, we have the most important role when it comes to raising our child. We are not only the protector and the provider, we're also the caregiver, the lover, the teacher, the friend sometimes for them to grow into the best person they can be, the person that they were supposed to be. If I say this next thing, and this is fact, you're going to realize that your time with your children is short. And we have to do everything we can as fast as possible, as quick as possible, as efficient as possible. By the age of 12, your child has already spent, or you have already spent, 75% of the time you will ever spend with your child. By the age of 18, depending on your family and systems and how you raise them, you're at 90 to 95% of the time you have ever spent or you will ever spend with your child. So that means after the age of 20, you have maybe less than 5% left, maybe 10% if you're lucky. So that means you're just not going to see them as much as you had when they were younger. And it makes sense because if we do the math, when they're a baby, they're always with you. They don't know how to go to school or get a job or things like that. You have to take care of them. You got to feed them, got to change your diapers. Cool. Eventually they grow up, they go to pre-K, maybe daycare. Then they go into kindergarten, first grade, elementary. Then they go into middle school, then high school. And by that time, you have less and less time with them because as they grow up by fourth and fifth grade, now they're doing band and chorus maybe after school. So that's less time you have with them. Maybe now they're doing sports in middle school. That's less time you have with them. And you're going to keep on losing time with them. And it happens so subtly. We don't pay attention to it. It's almost like how our unconscious mind is telling us things and we don't pay attention to it. 
The same thing happens in the development of that child. They don't necessarily know consciously why they do the things they do. And it's all about how we raise them and how we approach their teachings. Because if you are a parent, we have to do the best job we can raising these children. But there's areas where parents constantly fail. The first area is going to be ridiculing them when they make a mistake. So if they get a bad grade on a test, if they mess up, if they break something, you belittle them so much, they feel bad. I can't tell you how many times I got a test. It was a bad mark and I would bring it home and I had to get it signed because the teacher, well, I don't know, they were malicious or something, I guess. I don't know. But I had to get the test signed. It does create accountability on my part where I have to now say, I'm accountable for this grade. You need to sign it so I can bring it back to the teacher. What happens typically with the parent is not that, oh, I'm going to help you on your next test. Oh, I'm going to give you a tutor. I'm going to talk to the teacher about this, see what we can do. Is typically not that. Sometimes it can be, but typically it's not that. The first thing we do is the parents, as a parent, we're going to yell at the child. Why in the world did you get an F? Did you not study? Why did you not tell me about this, right? So it's a problem. We are going to overexcite the situation rather than just signing the piece of paper. Not saying that we shouldn't pay attention to that piece of paper. That's a cry for help, right? Why did they get that F? We can dig a little bit deeper. More of that to come. So we sign the test, whatever. Here you go. We'll talk about it later. You don't have to talk about it later. That's just a trigger word for the kid. We'll talk about it later because now they're thinking in their head, oh, wow, I might be in trouble. I might be in grounded. They already feel bad. Why do we as parents have to make them feel even worse? We call them names. We say, you're not dumb. So why are you being dumb? Why are you failing? You want to end up on the street like a homeless person because you don't know how to do math or you don't know how to read? That right there is going to hurt them unconsciously now. They're going to be afraid to make mistakes. If you know anything about success, success is built on failure, not success. Success is built on failure, not success. And if a child is afraid to succeed because they're afraid to fail, they're not going to succeed on a high level. They're always going to play it safe. They're always going to be cautious and their instinct is going to be fear. We don't want to give them a fear aspect when they're growing up. We want to give them an abundance mindset and that we as parents have their back. We're there to support them. We are not only the protectors and the providers, but we are also the nurturers. So when they need help and they're going through a hard part of life, whether it be school and grades, we need to make sure that we are there for that time. Not to ridicule, not to make them feel bad, not to belittle, to support. And the best way we as parents can support our children is by spending time with them. Because if you spend more time with your child, you are going to know what areas that they need help in. If you see that they're struggling in math or they're struggling in reading, because again, as you spend time with them, you should be in not only incorporating knowledge and wisdom, but also educating them. For example, my kid is one years old. And I'm over here teaching him how to count, ABCs, all of the stuff, right? It's common sense. He's one years old. But yet, 
Some people are just going to say, oh, you know, here's an iPad. You're four years old now. Oh, here's a movie. I'm going to put on a movie for you. What that does is it stops the development process for that child. Children need 90 minutes of uninterrupted play a day. And that leads us into our step two or number two big issue with raising children that have a weak unconscious constitution or mindset. And that's going to be as a parent, you always want to protect your child. Now, as a parent, you should always want your child protected. But there's a difference between making sure your child doesn't get hurt and that your child stays safe. For example, when I was growing up, I would do some of the most crazy things. I would jump from the stairs. I would jump from the bunk beds. And I mean, I should have some broken bones in me, but I didn't, right? I was fearless. And that just kind of brought me to where I am today. Not saying that you can't have some fears, but you can't allow your fears to dictate your day or dictate your future. You have to be able to overcome any fear that comes into your life. And most fears are going to be self-made, self-created, and most fears are not going to be helpful. If we're instilling that instinct into that unconscious level into our kids, now they're going to be operating on a fear level rather than a courage level, an abundance level, a creative level. All of these levels are good for a child to develop into a strong, happy, and effective person of society. Yet we are just so worried about making sure they're always protected. So if you see them climbing on the table, yes, they're not supposed to be on the table. But do you monitor, see what they do? Do they learn their lesson? Things like that, right? We we can have rules and stuff in place as parents, but we allow them to do dangerous things and we keep them safe. That's why sometimes when you go to the playground and they're on the jungle gym, you might see a parent, Billy, don't do that. that. That's dangerous. And they're literally just playing. They might be climbing the wrong way and stuff like that. They might be climbing on the outside of the slide. That is all healthy. It is all encouraged. And as a parent, we have to kind of bite our lip or whatever we have to bite for us not to just interact all the time. 90 minutes of uninterrupted play a day. So we talked about the development stages of children before, but I think it's important for new listeners that come into the podcast that they understand from zero to seven. That's going to be our first stage from seven to about preteens. It can be from 11 to 12 typically. That right there is going to be the second stage. And then the third stage is going to be from that teen, 13, all the way to 18. And then the fourth stage is from 18 to 25. But I typically don't get into that because it's self-explanatory. Today, we're just going to be talking about those four and then learning how that affects the unconscious mind. The first stage is zero to seven again. We are teaching our children how our time is spent with them. That means you might love your children to the moon and back. You show your love in a way that is not a way that they can think that this is love. For example, I work a lot of hours. I go to the office. I am gone on trips. I am gone a lot from the house. So my kid is going to see that that's never here. So when I am here, am I present? Do I spend time with him? Do I sit with him? Do I talk with him? Do I read with him? Do I say I love you? All of those things, right? It might not seem like a big deal, but that's all I want from that age, from a parent. Getting into the second stage, right? Seven to 11 around that time. 
now they're paying even more attention to the parent. So they're going to mimic us. They're going to do what we do. But they also want to be told that they're loved, that they're cared for, that they can go out and make mistakes. And this is why the first thing I talked about is so important, right? We don't want to just yell at them because they make a mistake. We want to encourage them. And if they make a mistake, we support them, that we're going to help them even through those mistakes. This is developing now a strong unconscious mind instinctually now in their head at the age of 11, not that mom and dad are going to fight my battles, but mom and dad are going to support me even if I make a mistake. So that means they're going to make more mistakes. If I told you something right now, and this is top secret, you are so many mistakes away from your success. There's only so many times you can F up until you succeed, until you win. Are you 100 mistakes away? Are you 75 mistakes away? Are you two mistakes away? How many mistakes away are you to reaching your success? The more mistakes you make, the quicker you get to that success. So it's important that our unconscious is developed to make mistakes and to be okay with making mistakes and okay with failing. So we can't be overprotective. Yes, we want them to get good grades. Yes, we don't want them to break any bones. But this is their first time living life. They don't know any better. They're experiencing the world for the first time. Yes, we have the wisdom. We have the knowledge, but the way we present it to them is not so much forcing it down their throat. We basically say, well, this is what I have. This is what I have to offer you. This is what I'm going to give you. Which one would you like? It's almost like if you have a bunch of candy and you say, you can have one. Which one are they going to pick? Are they going to pick knowledge? Are they going to pick wisdom? Are they going to pick trial and error? Whichever one they want, they get to pick. And it's okay that they get to pick. And we allow, we get to learn them. We learn how their unconscious is developing. And so I'm always working on their unconscious when I'm working with children, not only to develop it into a strong unconscious, but to fix anything that parents are doing unconsciously to their children. So if mom and dad are always going to the school and yelling at the teacher that the kid got F, that right there is teaching that kid oh, mom and dad are going to fight all my battles. So when they're 18, 19, 20, that kid unconsciously is going to think mom and dad are going to save me rather than taking responsibility for themselves. So we teach them unconsciously that they're in charge of their actions. So by the time they're now 18, they're going to be able to do things themselves. Now, just jumping back to that third stage, that's going to be the teen stage. This is where all the problems come up. Middle school. Oh man. I remember when I first started teaching middle school. It was a doozy. Let me tell you, I had no knowledge. I had no experience teaching middle school. And I thought it was just like teaching regular children because I have been teaching at that time when I went into middle school, probably for three or four years at that point, I was teaching elementary level, some private middle school level. And it's different in a private environment versus group environment that is the middle school. What I learned is The way you speak to them is different. The way you approach things is different. Their logic is different. Their mindset is totally different. How they're being hardwired because of their hormones and because of their peers is amazing. But at the same time, as a teacher, you do need to know how to navigate through that. It took me, I would say, four to six months just to learn how to teach middle school and how middle schoolers think. Once I got it down packed, now they're a piece of cake. 
It doesn't mean that, you know, sometimes they can give you gray hairs, but it's a piece of cake, right? So the middle school teachers who stay in middle school long term, they just know how to teach middle school. So same thing. We learn unconsciously through that point. How are they operating? Are they taking risks? Are they following the crowd? All of that's instinctual. And it all stems from how we raise them in stage one and stage two. So stage three, what the child is doing to the parent is they don't want the parent to tell them what to do. They don't want the parent to be on them all the time, worrying about them. They want to go experience life for themselves. And as a parent, you should let that happen. You should have already equipped them with enough knowledge and wisdom and hope they make the right choices. Sometimes they're going to make a mistake. Cool. We're there to support. We're not there to belittle. They learn trial and error. My advice is to have a discussion with them. So you have this discussion around 12, 13, right before they go into that, you know, middle school, teenage tantrum stuff. You give them this conversation. And the conversation goes like this. I want you to live your life, experience life, but I don't want you to make a mistake that's going to alter your life at a drastic scale. And you, as a parent, you get to decide what that is. Having a kid, dropping out of school, doing drugs and alcohol, doing crimes, getting arrested, going to juvie, shoplifting, whatever it is, you can say. Maybe if you're religious, you might say, making sure you spend time with the Lord and practicing religion. Whatever you need to say to them, that is your expectation for them. Basically, don't mess up or don't forget. Once that happens and you're teaching them, you just have to be the role model. So if you're telling them not to drink and do drugs, you better not be doing drugs and drinking. If you're telling them to be in shape, you better be going to the gym and being in shape. If you're telling them not to hang out with the wrong people, you better be hanging out with quality people. And it goes to every aspect that you told them. You need to be the example because they're still watching you. But now they're watching you even more. Yes, they don't really want to be told that, oh, you know, I love you and things like that. Because if you do that, it's going to be like suffocating them. You should have already done that on stage one and two from zero to 11. If you haven't done that, now their unconscious needs to be fixed. How do you fix, you know, that negligence of you not doing it back then when you're supposed to spend time with them, reading books with them? You just have to find a common ground that you two can come together or that the group can come together and spend family time, whether that be camping, going to amusement parks, holidays, whatever it is, building conversation. And then allowing them to have an open discussion. And there's no repercussion if they tell you something that's something that you don't want. For example, a big one. Mom, I got a tattoo. What? They got a tattoo? And you start yelling and screaming at them. They're going to say, well, I'm not telling you anything else. You're just going to yell and scream at me. I don't want this. So that's why they hide things from you. So we get into the mindset that, yes, they're going to say things. They're going to do things that we are not going to like. But we accept that. And we continue to be the role model for them. And if they don't want to listen to us and follow us, we give them role models. So we give them sports coaches. We give them youth mentors. We give them responsibilities, especially if they're older and now they have younger siblings they have to take care of. We teach them responsibility. Maybe they get a part-time job or they get a summer job and they learn responsibility. It's important around this age. 
they're paying attention. And then we get to 18 to 25. And this is where we are kind of wrapping everything up and everything is kind of coming together. Yes, you might go to college and that's a different type of program or a different type of structure, or they might be going off into a trade or wanting to be entrepreneur. So that's a different type of program and setup. But what I can tell you as a general for 18 to 25 is now that they have went through life, they're going to appreciate everything you have done for them. Now they're going to do their best to live the life that they need to be living. They might realize that they don't have the tools or the knowledge in order to do it. And they might not go to you first. And this is where getting a youth mentor or coach for them or an advisor that's going to help them through this process. Because most people who come to work with me just naturally that are not parents, you know, making their kids go get a mentor and a coach are going to be people who are in their 30s. So that means they have struggled all in their 20s only to make it to 30s. And now they're trying to get their life back on track. When you're 18, you should be doing some wonderful things in your life. You should be starting investing seriously for your retirement, not only for your retirement, but you know, for other things too. Learning what type of lifestyle you want. What type of career do you want? Understanding your purpose, your passions, your whys, all of that happens. And it's all based on the unconscious level of how you were raised. Taking a look at that picture, that diagram again from last week, the three levels of consciousness, we look at the conscious mind, we look at the subconscious mind, and we look at the unconscious mind. And that unconscious mind is going to be exactly what it is, how we grow up, the fears, the instincts, all of that is going to be given to us from an early age. And as we develop and we grow, it either becomes stronger or it becomes weaker. And most people today, they have an unconscious mind that is just weak. It's not strong. So one of the first things I do as a coach, as a mentor, as you know, helping parents, I help them get their kids back into a strong unconscious mind, getting rid of the fears, not allowing our instincts to get in the way of future ambitions and future endeavors, because we do have to build our empire on failure, on fear sometimes. So we build it on fear so we can build up the courage and the confidence to be more than just our unconscious beliefs. So we begin there. Our subconscious begins to change. Our conscious begins to change. And then our life begins to change. So there's a whole system in place that is talking about how we are as parents, what our role is as parents, how much time we get to spend with them as parents, and when our job is done. But there is a silver lining, parents. There is a silver lining. I want you to understand that just because your child is 18 and up and they're grown up and they don't need you anymore, understand one day they might have a little grandbaby for you. And then you get to do that again. You get to spend, you know, their first 12 years, 70% of the time with them. And then the next six years, they're going to spend the next 20 or whatever percent with them because that is the system. And we learn as parents from the mistakes we make with our kids. So when we're raising our grandkids, we're going to be even better equipped. However, there is a cycle we need to make sure that we don't fall victim of or we don't fall culprit to because If you are just going to create these strong children and these children don't understand why they're strong, eventually they're going to be weak. So we always have to push them to be strong, 
remind them why we made them strong examples of a weak mindset and we tell them that this knowledge that I'm giving you, this wisdom that I'm giving you, it has to be spread from generation to generation. Otherwise, there's going to be a time when people are just strong, 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 strong. They get into that parent mindset. Oh, I'm going to protect my kid. I'm going to yell at them when they get a bad grade because I'm trying to make them be responsible. I'm trying to make sure that they understand that this is important. When really the most important thing you can do for your child right now when they're younger, spend some time with them, is to tell them that you love them, is to show them that you are a good role model. So ask yourself as a parent before you start yelling at your kid and berating your child, are you living up to your fullest potential? Are you living the best life possible? Because their unconscious mind is going to be also formed by what they see in you. My name is Michael Reardon. I'm a mindset coach. If you have any questions, you can email me session at gmail.com and I'll see everyone on the next episode of Coaching in Session. Until then, everyone take care.